Today on the podcast, Kyle is going to break down the three questions you should be asking at every listing presentation that you're probably never even heard of. He's going to talk about three tools or questions that you can break down regarding financing and how that makes not only you more likely to get the listing, but also it helps you your listing become a lot more attractive to buyers and help you get that listing sold. That's this week's that's on this week's episode of Real Estate Podcast, The Whistle Way. Kyle, the the holy grail of real estate, people always talk about they want more listings, they want more sellers. How do you get sellers? Uh, regardless of really if you're in a buyer's market or a seller's market, um, having listings is always kind of having the, the golden key in your pocket. Would you agree? Yes. So today I want to talk about how can we win more listings by asking the right questions and some questions that I think realtors on here I know aren't asking, but two, they might not even know to ask. So I want to know what the important questions are and uh, kind of give some information on that. Yeah, so for sure. We're going to dive into questions that are very specific to the market we're in today. Um, we're recording this here at the end of October, beginning of November. Um, 2023. 2023. Yeah, well, this one, we don't always like time and date stamp these things, but these this one's important too because we're in a market where rates are 8% today and there's things that you should be putting out on social media and things that you should be asking in your um, listing appointments and even on the phone with your potential listing appointments that can completely separate you from the competition and help you actually get those listings. And then when you get them, get them sold too, because that's becoming, right, as this market is shifting from a seller's market, we're right about in the middle now shifting toward a buyer's market. It's not just a matter of getting the listing, but you got to get it sold too. So we're going to dive into all of that today. Very cool. Awesome. My name is Kyle Whistle, your host with eXp Realty in San Diego. And I'm Brian Kochi, Director of Marketing here at Whistle Realty Group. The goal of the show is to give you the tools, techniques, and tactics to go out there and crush it in your business. The way that we like to do that is to answer the questions that you have for us. So if you ever have a question or a topic you want to discuss on the show, you can always go to thewhistleway.com. You can ask us questions on there, subscribe to the podcast and YouTube channel, join our private Facebook group and email newsletter. We share some tips and tricks and get dialed in with our video content creation course called the Media Mayor Mastermind. Brian, I'll teach you everything we've learned over the last eight plus years of creating videos together. Before we do, I am a a man of my word and a bet is a bet. So I have a debt to pay here. A buddy of mine, DJ in Florida is a huge Jaguars fan. I am a huge Buffalo Bills fan. Our two teams clashed recently and it didn't go so well for the Bills. So our wager was first, I have to buy DJ this hideous jersey. And the second, I have to wear this jersey. So I'm going to just pay my bet today and Wear my jersey for this episode of the podcast. I'm excited. Now, it's a it's a kid size large. <laughs> it, is, large. it is very small. <laughs> DJ and I are not the same size, but we're gonna make it work. This is what my actual football jersey used to fit like. Yeah, so. except more in the shoulders and. Uh... <laughs> so we'll we'll rock it for the rest of the podcast today. Don't you have to roll up the, the belly? Well, is that what you got your pads on? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> For those of you I have listening different to the kind pod- of pads now. <laughs> if you're listening to the podcast, Kyle is wearing a. Uh, snug Jacksonware, Jacksonville Jaguars number 16 jersey. Uh, you could play on their Pop Warner team yeah. anytime. I haven't worn a medium since I was like 12, but here uh, we are. So, All right, DJ, this is for you. <laughs> <laughs> all right, let's roll. Cool. Um, so let's talk about... You're going to do the arm thing to like shift let's go. gears? Okay. Let's go. So first, we, we need to get we need to learn how to get the listings before we sell them, right? And so what are some questions we need to ask above and beyond 
normally we show our listing presentation. We talk about our marketing plan. We talk about our stats. We do all that. Yeah. We've done a podcast on exactly that. But what do we need to do above and beyond that? Because we just taught everyone how to do that. What What's next? Yeah. So I think we've talked a lot about like converting seller um, leads and listing presentations and all the basics. But today I want to go deeper into the questions that you're not asking that you should be asking that will completely separate you from the competition. Because most sellers, um, now if you work like a, a sphere-based business, you probably aren't competing very often, but you probably aren't going on many listing appointments right now. I've seen uh, a lot of agents, including ones in our office that are very sphere-based that have had tough years where agents who are very prospecting based and taking a lot of internet leads and stuff have had much better years because you need those new leads coming in. Um, the problem is when you're taking those types of leads or where you're doing prospecting, circle dialing, um, expireds, FISBOs, FURBOs, all that stuff, you're competing more often than not on those. So how do you make yourself stand out? And so the biggest thing to understand is we are in an 8% rate market right now. Like it is freaking crazy. There are no buyers buying and there's really no sellers selling, right? There's no buyers buying because it's too damn expensive. There's no seller selling because it's they don't want expensive. to, <laughs> right? It's too damn expensive. They don't want to sell and, um, you know, sell at a three or 4% rate and then go buy at a seven or 8% rate. It's just too damn expensive. So, um, there's just not a lot of movement happening, but there's some things that a lot of people aren't asking, aren't even thinking about, possibly don't even know is possible in this market. So there's there's three primary things that, that I want to focus on today that we need to ask about when we are meeting with a seller. So first thing is that we should be doing our research when we go into these appointments and understanding um, what kind of financing did this person use when they purchased this property? How long ago was it? Have they done any refinances? Like I like to do a little research in advance. Now I know not every state this is not possible everywhere here in California. I can, uh, all the title companies give us a app, a website I can go to and I can look and I can find out when was it purchased? What price, what kind of financing, um, how much the loan was, has it been refied? Like we can do all that in California. Sorry if you're in other states, you can't do that. But Canada in, probably can't even know if it's ever been sold before. They're pretty strict up there. You know, surprisingly, Texas is like pretty locked down on sold data. Like it's hard huh. to get a lot of sold data in Texas, surprisingly. All right. um, so I like to know, did this person finance it or did they pay cash, right? If they paid cash and there's been no loans attached to that property, then they probably own that property free and clear still to this day. Or if somebody had a loan on it and it's been 30 plus years, they haven't refinanced it ever. They probably own it free and clear. There's a lot of scenarios where somebody could own a home free and clear. Um, also, even if somebody only owes a little bit, they're close to free and clear. So first thing I'm doing is looking for those opportunities. And if I am, when I go in to meet with that seller, I am going to ask questions to find out if they have an appetite to potentially carry the paper, carry the note on that, or what's deemed a seller carry back. A lot of agents aren't asking about this ever. They just assume every single seller wants to cash out. And that's not necessarily the case because if they do cash out, so they sell the home, they take the cash out, what are they going to do with that money? If they're just going to go put it into a, a savings account or even like, you know, high yield CD account today is like four or 5%. Like that's not bad, but if you're going to sell and just put the money in the bank and then put it into something that earns four or 5%, there is a better option. And that option is to do seller financing on that property. So instead of taking all the cash out and then just putting it into something that pays four or 5%, what if they could 
leave the money in the property, but instead get seven, eight, nine, 10% interest. They could get significantly more than if they actually took the cash out of the property. So they can go from being the seller to being the bank. And now instead of that buyer getting a loan through Wells Fargo, they're going to get a loan through the seller and the seller becomes the bank. And now the seller is going to collect some points up front. So they're going to get a little cash infusion up front. Um, they're going to get down payment money. And then they're going to charge the buyer whatever rate they negotiate. But typically buyers, if they're doing seller financing, they're expecting to pay at or above market on Why? that rate. Why would they pay above market? Because they probably can't go get a loan from a bank. Mm, so they're sense. probably in a scenario where if they went to a bank, they don't check the boxes that are needed for the bank to provide them traditional financing, which is why they'd be more open to seller financing because they don't have to check the same boxes. Now, a seller should do some qualification, but it's not ever going to be nearly as stringent as a bank's qualifications. So a buyer would do this and pay a higher than market rate because there is no other option. They can't go buy otherwise. They can't afford to buy um, anything otherwise. But and then the seller would do it because if they take the money out and they go put it in the bank, they're getting four or five percent on the money at best, right? Unless they go invest it. But if they're just going to put it in the bank, it's four or five percent. So why not do a carry back and get eight, nine, ten percent on the money as opposed to just putting it um, in a CD and getting four or five percent? They could probably get twice as much on that money. Now, are there like I have no idea if, as a homeowner myself. How right, I would you, do that. That, that. Here's what's funny, right? Like you own a home and you don't even know about this, right? Yeah. So that's the thing is most realtors don't know about this or don't understand why somebody would do it. But the scenario I just gave is where it could be mutually beneficial for both parties. Now, are there tools or do you just like, do I write a contract? Do you connect with a lawyer or do you just be like, send me a check by the 15th of every month? Like, a, like how does, I'm sure there's some sort of something. So the beauty in California is that they have a form literally in our, um, system called zip forms. There's a form specifically for seller financing. It's called a seller financing addendum or an SFA. So even if you're not in California, you could just Google uh, California Association of Realtors form SFA or seller financing addendum. You could find it even if you're not in California. You can just Google it. You'll find a copy of it. So our association has been great to provide us with a form where now we can just go through that form and ask the questions of, What's the term? What's the rate? What's the points? Like all of those questions. Um, so that will get built in through escrow. Escrow will help draft up a note or potentially you could have an attorney draft the note based on what's on that seller financing addendum. They're going to draft the note and the buyer is going to sign your loan docs with you at close as opposed to signing them with the bank. And now you become the bank. And then you could either collect the money yourself or you typically would hire a servicing company and they just take a small fee to then they send the statements out, they collect the payments, they do everything for you. What would you Google to find a, a servicing company? Um, loan servicing company. Sweet. <laughs> yeah. Um, the one that we've used is called FCI. I don't know if they do nationwide, but they for sure do here in San Diego. So at least you can start with that. FCI, look what keywords. Frank, Charlie, uh, Igloo. Cool. Yeah. And then you can look at what keywords they use, search in your area. Cool. Yeah. Um, so you just hire a service. Some escrow companies will draft or title companies will draft the note for you. Some will tell you you need to hire an attorney to, to draft the note for you. And then you're hiring a servicing company to take care of the payments. And so the seller financing, why this is important is, one, if you're going on the listing presentation, you can say, hey, have you thought about this? 
you can make a lot more return on your money than if you're just throwing it in the bank or if they said, I'm just going to, you know, so that's good for them, but it's also good to help you get it sold because now it opens your buyer pool. You're to offering not only something that other people aren't. Okay, cool. Yep. Because now not only can your traditional buyer that qualifies for a normal loan buy your home, now somebody who maybe needs some outside the box, some untraditional financing opens it up. Now, sure, there's risk, of course, right? Mm -hmm. Because if they can't qualify for a loan, why? So naturally there's risk, but that's where you're going to charge a higher rate. You're going to do a, a loan to value. You, when you do seller financing, you determine what's the loan to value. You determine how many points. You determine um, what the interest rate is. You determine is it fully amortized or is it interest only. You determine do, can they keep the loan for 30 years or do they have to pay it off in three years, a balloon payment. Like You determine everything. You're, you're the bank. Whatever the hell Brian, the bank of Brian wants is what you get. And if the buyer doesn't want it, that's fine. They can just go buy the next home they can't qualify for. So, And and these buyers that may not qualify, give me some categories. The couple that I was thinking off my head were, uh, you know, if they've switched industries lately and they're, they haven't been at that job for two years. Another one is if they're selling things that aren't maybe federally legal, but legal in the state. I know there are some cash only businesses. Uh, I can't think of any others besides one. <laughs> um, what other things would be? Cash businesses where a lot of money goes under the table, doesn't get reported to the IRS. Like we're in industries okay. where we have in real estate, you tend to have high income, but you have high write-offs. You're able to show that you had high income, but you wrote it off. In that case, you can get like a bank statement loan. There's loans for that. But if you work, especially like contractors, it's, it's very regular um, where they're a lot of their stuff is under the table. It's cash. Like they're not necessarily ever even showing any of that income. Like we show it and we write it off. If somebody doesn't show the income, but could prove to you like, Hey, here's the, all the invoices I did over the last 12 months. I can prove to you. I did, you know, $2 million worth of jobs. I, that's what the revenue that I collected. I just didn't take all of it and put it in the bank and claim it on taxes. So there's that, which you mentioned, where somebody recently changed jobs and that's not good enough for, you know, tr traditional type financing. There's a million situations. And then, like, what about, like, doctors and lawyers that have a lot of uh, schooling fees? There's loans specifically okay. for them because okay. people understand there's a lot of stuff lenders do is stupid, but there's pe lenders that understand, yeah. You have a ton of, of student debt, right, because you had to go to school for 10 years for some of these jobs. But you're now making $500,000 a year. Like, we get it. Or we understand you owe that, but we also understand you're making five hundred grand a year. So it's, it's all good. All right. So number one, the seller first financing. primary tool is uh, seller carryback or seller financing. Yes. And that's great if the homeowner owns 90% or more on their home. Yeah, because they could still have uh, they could still have debt, but a buyer is going to come in with a down payment. So they could wipe out your existing debt. Let's say your house is worth a million dollars and you owe $100,000 on it, but you tell a buyer, hey, if you come in and I sell or finance and I want 25% down. So what you could do is take 100, pay off the existing debt and put 150,000 in your pocket and then collect, let's say 10% on that 750,000 for whatever period of time you decide to go with. Cool. I made that sound appealing, huh? Yeah. Because again, if you're, just going to take the money and put it in the bank, right? Or put it in just some basic stuff. You probably are better off leaving it in the real estate market because you now you have 75% debt to, or uh, loan to value. So if like here, what's funny, when you become the bank, the worst case scenario in that situation 
is that the buyer just pays you on time every month. Best case scenario is the buyer doesn't pay you. You take the house back. You already got $250,000. Now you get the house back at a $750,000 valuation. That's let's just assume the value hasn't moved. You get the house back at a million. You just made 250 grand. That's actually best case scenario is they don't pay. Worst case scenario is they do pay. How crazy is that? You're like, I hope they default. So that's horrible. <laughs> you don't, you know, because it, there's more work, but yeah. financially it's best case scenario. All right. So that's one tool. You say you have three of them. Yeah. Um, number two is going to be, is it an assumable loan that's on there? So there's three loans that are assumable by default. That is a USDA loan, uh, US Department of Agriculture, FHA, and VA. Those loans are all assumable by default. A lot of people don't know that. All of those loans are assumable. Hmm. People don't know that. So if you're going into a listing appointment, if they have no loan or very little loan, seller financing is probably the way to go. If they have a loan, now we're trying to find out, is it FHA, VA, or USDA? Because if it is, it's assumable. So one of our agents recently took a listing and turns out the seller has a 2.99% rate on that loan. Well, guess what? That property just became a whole, and it's FHA, that property became a whole lot more attractive for a buyer because they can now buy this unit in Secondo, this unit with a 2.99 rate, or that unit with an 8 rate. Yeah. You know? So now our unit stands out and potentially is worth more money too because if I can buy that for 600 at 8%, I'd probably be willing to pay 610, 620 for the one with a 2.99 rate, if I could Absolutely. assume it, right? So we need to find out, do they have one of those? And there's other loans potentially that could be assumable, but those three by default are assumable. And then conventional loans, the answer is it depends. But on those three, and the beauty is those are the low money down loans typically. Um, so it's great to find out if somebody has that. Now, the key is if a buyer comes in, they are going to need to come in with a down payment that covers the spread between the loan amount the loan balance, we should say, to be more specific, the loan balance and the purchase price. So if the loan is 800 and the purchase price is a million, the buyer is going to have to come in with 200,000. They're going to have to cover the spread between purchase price and loan balance, and then they're going to assume the remainder. So it doesn't work well. If somebody got an FHA loan 15 years ago and they owe 100 grand and it's worth a million, somebody would have to come in for $900,000 to assume that. Probably not going to work. But the good thing is, right, prices are about the same, if not lower in some markets today than they were a year ago or even a year and a half ago. So that's actually an ideal scenario is you have somebody with like a, a VA loan that they got, um, you know, in the middle of 2022 or early 2022 when the rates were like three or four percent. And now the property's worth about the same. So they bought it for a million then. It's worth a million bucks today. Somebody come come in with little to no money down, assume that, and take over their 4% rate. So it works better if the loan balance is higher. I know it seems this is the exact opposite of what we just talked about. The higher the loan balance, the less money somebody's got to come in with to um, cover the spread. Now, if I did that, I have a million-dollar condo, and you assumed it. If you default, is that on me or is not on an assumption? No. Okay, cool. No, because you're going to assume the loan. It's going to transfer over to you. So this is great. Yes, this is a fantastic scenario. And the, the amount of agents who are not asking their client, what type of loan do you have on your house? And if they found out, oh, you have a VA loan, tell me more. 
What's your interest rate on it? What do you owe on it? If you're not asking those questions at a listing appointment, you're you're actually not only are you hurting your chances of getting listed because I'm going to come in there, I'm going to ask those questions, but also you're doing your seller a disservice. The value of that home is potentially higher because of a assumable. That's really cool. Yeah. So the one caveat, the thing to know, uh, well, the second thing to know, one, you got to cover the spread between the two. Okay. Second is if it's a VA loan, if the buyer coming in is not VA eligible, they can assume a VA loan. So me, I'm not VA eligible. I could assume your VA loan, but it does not let you off the hook on the VA entitlement. So it's going to affect your entitlement until I pay that loan off. So with VA, ideally you're looking for a VA buyer to come in and assume it. But if not, you could still do it, but you just have to understand it's affecting your entitlement. You can only have so much money out with VA at any given time. So um, that's important to know with VA. FHA, um, not going to affect you and USDA is not going to affect you. How do you tell if you have a conventional loan, if it's assumable? You'd have to read through the loan docs. Yeah. Not going to do that. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so like load them into chat GPT and be like, is my loan assumable? <laughs> um, so carry back or seller financing is the first tool. Second tool is, is your loan assumable, which is great for USDA, FHA, yeah. and, and so VA. Those are the simple options. The third is the more complex option. <laughs> Those are simple. Okay. Yeah, these were easy. Yeah. Sure. Number three. I'm going to take more notes on this one. So the, the last one is what there's a guy named Pace Morby. If you guys follow him, M-O-R-B-Y. He's the king of this. Um, it's called subject to financing. And there's so many different ways this goes with subject to financing. But this is where I'm going to buy your home subject to me making the payments on your loan. So I'm buying it subject to your existing loan. So this scenario, the loan stays in your name, but I'm gonna make the payments on your behalf. So this gets a little bit more tricky. Okay. There's a little more liability and stuff involved because in the assumption scenario, the first two scenarios, you're off the hook on the loan, right? It could be you end up not being on the loan, you being the one giving the loan in the seller financing scenario. Subject to, I'm, Buying your home subject to the existing financing that's in place on that home. Okay. Tell me more. <laughs> I remember you talked about this on one of our morning huddles and I go, oh, that's okay. Th th this I don't think is something for me, someone who's very risk adverse. Yeah. I remember you hearing that, you talking about it and said, no, thank you. Uh, the assumable loan makes more sense. Yeah. But assume, subject that's to, why I worked my way up to this one for <laughs> This you. makes I, me nervous. I wanted to baby step you. So Carry on. <laughs> subject to, now I am not the expert. I have not, I we did a uh, webinar with Pace Morby on our fast forward group. If you want a copy of it, DM me, I'll send you a link to the recording. It's like two hours. DM you on um, Instagram, at on Kyle Instagram, Whistle. On Instagram, at Kyle Whistle. DM me, I'll send you the recording we did with Pace. Um, he is the expert, so I don't want to pretend to be the expert, but the traditional scenario where this would come in is if it's a non-assumable loans, right? It's not FHA, VA, um, or USDA. So a non-assumable loan is where this comes into play most frequently is you could find out potentially what type of loan does somebody have on their property, but it's not an assumable loan. So now I'm going to come in and I'm going to purchase your home subject to the existing loan that's in place. So it's very similar to an assumption, right? That I want to take over your mortgage, but it's still in your name. I'm just going to make the payments on your behalf. So, and is this the one where you pay me and I pay the bank? No, I pay the bank okay. for you. Because the bank couldn't care less where the money comes from. As long as the bank receives the payment every month, 
they're cool with it. In fact, as the buyer, I want to pay the bank directly because I want to make sure the money's getting to them. I don't want to give you the money and hopefully you send the money to them. Because guess what? If you don't, the bank's going to foreclose on the home and I'm the owner of the home. I'm going to lose the home if you don't make the payment on my behalf. So I'm going to pay directly to the bank to prevent that from potentially happening. So I'm not, so it, good, good example. So if you don't pay, whether you pay me and I don't pay, or you just never pay, you would get foreclosed on it. Would it, would you it could me? foreclose on me. You could kick me out of the deal. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I know dude. it's tricky. Um, so there's a scenario, there's two ways this works too, to just further complicate this. So Good. a traditional subject to deal, um, would be just like we talked about before, right? Somebody owes 800, they have a rate of 4% and it's worth a million bucks. I say, Hey Brian, I'm going to come in. I'll give you $200,000, put 200 grand in your pocket. And then I'm going to take over your loan and I'm going to make the payments on your behalf. And you're cool with it, right? Cause now again, you potentially could sell for more money because you're able to offer it at a 4% rate versus me going to a bank and getting an 8% rate. So you're cool with it because you're probably going to get a higher price. I'm cool with it because I'm going to pay 4% as opposed in the, to 8%. In that example, you covered the spread. Yeah, still covering still the spread. Yes. Okay. Yep. Where And then to add a layer to this, now you start to combine this with seller financing and it's called a wrap. Okay, on a wrap, yep, like because we're wrapping two loans together. So we're wrapping your loan plus your seller finance loan together. We're wrapping that into one loan. And then I'm going to make a payment to you and to the bank in that scenario. So you're going to give me financing and I'm going to take over your financing with the bank. So I'm going to make a payment to you and I'm going to make a payment to the bank in that scenario. That's called a wrap. Now, is that seller financing, is that to finance... To cover the, the spread? The spread, yep. To help out with that spread, whether it's the whole spread, part of the spread. So if you only have 50K and I and there's a $200,000 difference, you can put 50K down. I can seller finance you for 150 with the, with the seller, seller financing. financing yep. And then subject two for the 800. Yep. Got complicated. it. Complicated. Yeah. <laughs> um, it is, it's, this is far more complicated. Again, I don't want to go too deep on it. I'm not the expert. I'll send you the video if you DM me at Kyle Whistle. I'll send you the Pace Morby video. If you really want to geek out on this, because I don't want to go too far and say things that I'm not 100% confident in. I just want to give you the basic high level of this. Um, but if you want to go deeper, Pace is the guy. He's, he's got videos on top of videos on YouTube. He's great with it. Um, and he's very, love him or hate him, he's very long-winded. He really likes to over-explain things. So those of you guys that are high Ds, you might struggle just a little bit um, because he really likes to explain in depth and and everything. Um, but he's a wealth of knowledge. He's an amazing guy. Guy was literally a contractor just a matter of years ago. And now he's killing the game, um, buying multiple properties per week, selling his course like thousands of times over for thousands of dollars, like mad respect for him. He's, he's built a phenomenal business. Now, are these things that agents themselves need to go, okay, I need to become an expert on this, or can they, my gut says talk to a lender, but you're not utilizing the lender on any of these. The first two are no-brainers, and they're easy. For an agent, those are easy topics. Okay. Subject two is far more complicated. Um, if you really want to get good at it, like 
What's it going to cost you? I don't know what pace this course it costs now. It's th- it's thousands. It's not like a couple hundred bucks. Like, but it's he's the freaking man, and you're going to get all of his contracts, and you'll have his TCs available to write up stuff for you, and his title company. Like, we don't even have a referral code for this yet, do we? We don't. That's no, but you know what? He donated two hours of his time to share with my group, so I'm happy to promote him. Cool. Like, you scratch my back, I scratch your back. So I'm not looking for anything out of it. Um, but if you really want, like, if this subject two thing is appealing to you, and you want to separate yourself from the competition, like geek out on it. our lender um hopped on the mastermind that we did with pace and he's like i need to learn this more and he invested the money to become a student and now he has all the contracts he's learned it so he can come and share it with our team like you want to if you're, you're a lender and you're watching or listening right now like that's what the top lender in san diego does says this is amazing this is a tool that i can add a lot of value to my agents i don't care that it costs thousands of dollars sign me up I want to know this better than any other lender in San Diego. That's what makes Scott Evans number one in San Diego. A little plug for Scott there. What up, dude? Again, man, I, I yeah. respect people who who put the work in, who level themselves up. Like I respect what Pace has done. I respect Scott's. And like, I'm happy to give shout outs where shout outs are deserved. Wonderful. So the three tools or questions, um, are they interested in doing seller financing is number one. Number two is, do they have a loan that is or can be assumable? Yep. USDA, FHA, MVA, by default, are. Yes. Are there any ways that those can't be assumable? Not that I'm aware of. Okay. Um, and number three, subject to financing, a little bit more involved, but um, again, can offer you that extra level of separation that 99% of the agents have never heard of. Yeah. If you become the expert and in, in one of Pace's students or, or however you learn it, um, that's going to give you a leg up for years and years and years to come. So very cool. Yeah. So are you open to financing? If not, what kind of financing do you have? And then it's going to be one of three angles. It's either uh, a good rate with an assumable product, or it's a good rate with a non-assumable product, and we're going to go subject to, or it's just a market rate and we're going to go traditional. But if we ask the right questions, we're going to go down one of those paths. Yeah. And that gives you all sorts of new marketing opportunities. Um, think about connecting with your buyers and say, hey, I have a home that you can get a 3% interest rate on right now. <laughs> that email is going to crush. Uh-huh. That phone call, that email is going to, or that text message. And your is listing crush. is going to stand out. Not only are you going to stand out from the competition at the listing appointment, because you're going to be like, whoa, the other agents didn't ask me these questions. Guaranteed you get the listing. And now you're going to put that thing on the market and you're going to market the heck out of it that you have a 2 3 4% rate. And your listing is going to stand out from the competition, which you're going to need to do in this market we're going into because it's becoming a buyer's market. you got to make your listing stand out. So if you're the listing that has the 3 or 4% assumable on it or seller was subject to or seller finance, like if you have what nobody else has, you will get what nobody else gets. My brain is spinning. It's time to go to a different topic. I can't, I can't, I can't go down this path. <laughs> awesome. Well, hopefully you guys got some value out of this today. If you did, if you are watching on YouTube, hit the um, thumbs up button. Let YouTube know. If you have a question, throw it in the comment section. Brian and I respond to all of those. And if you want more of our content, hit the subscribe button and turn those notifications on with a little bell. If you are listening on a podcast platform, make sure to subscribe and hook us up with a review. Those reviews mean the world to us. And yeah, before we wrap... <laughs> One of the things we like to do on the show is what we refer to as our whistle widget of the week. This is something that saves us time, makes us more money, or just helps us have a little bit more fun. Mine is, I just got the new iPhone, um, and I already scratched the screen, which is... Ooh, good job. Yeah, I think I'm going to get a new screen. I'm 
pissed. Anyways, um, they have a fe- I have a feature called action mode in video. And so if you go to your video section and up at the top left, there's a little uh, running man uh, right next to the flash that's I think off by default. If you turn it on, it turns on a- action mode. I don't know exactly how it does it. I would assume it films at a higher um, rate and then then down, whatever, it doesn't matter. But what it'll do is it'll allow you to get walking footage or um, handheld footage, especially if you're zoomed in, at a much smoother rate. And so uh, I don't want to say it gets rid of the need for a gimbal, but it definitely, definitely helps. I, I use this. I went down to Mexico to photograph some properties. I used my phone primarily for the video stuff because I didn't have my gimbal. And it was super smooth, like zoomed in five times and walking. And yeah, there was a little bit of movement, but it was really, really smooth. So action mode on the iPhone. Android people will probably say like, oh, I had that for seven years already. Um, but you still yeah. can't send a blue bubble. <laughs> <laughs> so there's so that. That's my widget. God, what do you got, what do you got oh, for Oh, I am so, so, so struggling right now. Um, I'm going to share one, though, that we I learned about this from a friend who's a photographer. We were out in Montana. Um, you kind of get a little bit of the northern lights up there depending on the time of year and stuff like that. But the sky is just so different than when you're in a big city. So shooting uh, pictures of light up there is just so special. And so a lot of people don't realize this on your iPhone, you go into night mode, right? You see the little thing up at the top that tells you like, oh, you're gonna have to hold your phone steady for a second or for three seconds or whatnot. Um, You probably have run into that when you're in uh, low light environment. What people don't realize is you can hit the little down arrow and you can actually go in and adjust how long that night mode is going to be or the how long you're going to expose that photo for. You can actually expose it for up to 30 seconds. And so obviously, if you're going to do 30 seconds, you have to have your phone 100% stabilized, hit the button and then just go have a conversation and come back. But the quality of photo, the amount of light that the iPhone can bring in when you do a 30 second exposure is absolutely magical. And so I would just encourage you the next time you're out, if you're you're camping or something like that, where you just have like a, a amazingly clear sky, go in on your iPhone into the night mode setting, adjust the uh, duration of that beyond the three second, one or three second default to 10 seconds to potentially 30 seconds. And you can capture some amazing still images. I didn't know you can do 30 seconds. That's really cool. Um, you can also do things where if you're photographing like... Why you got to one-up me? Can't you just let uh, me like... No, I'm going to add to it there, because the the stars is cool. It's one thing. Um, depending on how long the exposure is, you might get some, they call them uh, light trails where it looks like it's moving. Um, but you can do things where you're taking pictures of like cars and you'll get the light trails from the cars, which is really cool. Or if you're doing it of like a lake or a river, it gets that really still look. So... Um, I'm going to figure that out. And next time I'm out somewhere, you know, I'm going to try it out. It's pretty cool. There you go. Look, we taught Brian something about photography. Always learning. Yeah. Cool, guys. Well, hopefully you got a lot of value out of the show today. I want to thank you so much for tuning in. My name is Kyle Whistle with eXp Realty. I'm Brian Cochin. We'll see you next week.